0: Well, hey everyone, welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 204. Let's change things up a bit. On this episode, we make a tweak in our show. It's time for our listeners to chime in on topics live and have a voice. On our live audio show this week, we have a conversation with Ariane about living in Montana in 17 feet of snow. What's it like living in Yellowstone in winter? What's the best time to visit Yellowstone? How cold air changes in elevation? Do you go low low? or do you go high to stay warm? We answer that question. And lastly, lastly, how does a town of only 72 72 people coexist with black and grizzly bear walking through town? You can always join in on the discussion on our Facebook group page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash Trusted Trail podcast, and join our podcast family. Come out, hang out, and become a part of our community and now chat live with us every Tuesday night. By the way, if you're planning a hike or backpacking trip adventure and you need to plan a route, and hopefully you are planning a route, you need to get GAIA GPS. GAIA GPS is how you plan your next off grid expedition with the desktop or iOS trip route planner. It's an app. Just plan your route. You can use. You can find a link and be, to become a member on TrustTrailPodcast.com, episode 204. Click on the banner, and just for our Trust the Trail listeners, you get the first year for only $31.99. Normally, it's $40. Bucks. Now, the cool thing is you'll be able to download the map once you create it offline. So you'll be able to use it offline. You can print custom maps. You can have access to a com- the complete map catalog. And there's thousands and thousands of routes that have already been planned for you. You can layer multiple maps together. In full disclosure, Gaia GPS at no cost to you does offer us a commission for each new member that joins. I've already created several maps. It's super easy to use. Anyone can do it. It's pretty cool. And the cool thing is you have access to literally thousands of of maps so sometimes you don't have to plan the route yourself sometimes it's already planned for you by the way we are starting a new part of the show called trail news this will be a bi-weekly show in addition to our regular podcast you can check out individual shows on our youtube channel and or individual audio on our patreon page trust the trail moving forward through this year we are always looking for guest hosts if you'd like to be a guest host on trust the trail podcast just go to trusttrailpodcast.com go to our contact page and send me an email and put guest host in the subject line and i'll get that email and then we can we can talk about You being a guest host. Now, every Tuesday evening at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have a live audio chat with our Facebook group members. No topic is off limits. This is your chance to have a voice or an opinion about the outdoors instead of just posting. This is a live Q&A. This week's live chat was an open topic discussion about winter camping and what it's like living in Yellowstone during winter with temps falling down to minus 38 degrees. Ariane gives an outstanding talk on living in Yellowstone in winter with our live audio chat. Uh, tonight uh, we're going to do uh, just, it's open topic night. So whatever you'd like to talk about uh, regarding uh, hiking, backpacking, uh, apparel, anything, anything you want to talk gear, Anything you want to talk about, it's open night, mic night, um, and uh, it's your topic. Uh, Choose any topic you'd like to talk about, and we'll just talk about. This is uh, a live audio community, kind of like chat. So um, instead of just one person talking or two people talking, it gives our Facebook community a voice. Everybody in our community, everybody in our group can have a voice to ask a question or answer a question. Uh, Ariane and I are not the only people that go backpacking in this group. We have a lot of professional backpackers out here. We have a lot of people that have a lot of miles underneath their feet, and they are also always, always open to answer questions along with us, so this is for everybody, not just...
1: Awesome. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to tonight's Anything Goes. (laughs) What did you say, Scott? I I love how you uh, worded that. Open, open night, open mic night.
0: (laughs) Open open, topic night, anything goes, let's hit the trail. Ariane, what is going on briefly in Cook City, Montana?
1: Uh, It's actually rather quiet this week, Um, uh, a lot quieter than it's been. Uh, So Cook City, Montana, during the winter, turns into a snowmobile haven. Uh, We have world-renowned skiing trails, uh, cross-country skiing, uh, snowmobiling, and, of course, uh, snowshoeing, and it has been buzzing. I've been surprised at how many people come here and make it a regular routine, uh, but it's but it's been beautiful, but it's been quiet, and I welcome the silence <laughs> because there's nothing quite being so remote, and you just hear the buzzing of snowmobiles all the time in your ear, and they're rather loud, so um, it's been a quiet few days, and it's been very welcoming. It's kind of back to its typical remoteness, and it's absolutely stunning out here. We've had snowstorms, and uh, it's just blanketing everything with a fresh uh, blanket of snow, and it's just absolutely breathtaking out here.
0: And what is the
1: temperature? I don't know, cold? I, I stopped looking at the temperature <laughs> when we're, we're in the single digits. Well,
0: uh, just so you know, Sedona, Arizona, is going to experience a very cold, frigid night also it's supposed to get down to 25 degrees tomorrow night so um that's usually your high for the day but uh, yeah arizona is gonna it's gonna be chilly the next couple of days so uh yeah i can say it's cold here too so well very cool um so one of the things that i i, I think this is going to be very new for a lot of uh you know facebook um users or pl- facebook platform users um, I do this all the time on an app called Clubhouse, uh, and so I'm kind of used to the audio gig to it. We were in a room uh, last night. We had about 300 people, um, you know, talking about a, a topic, um, and i really like to get this going in our group because I think it's such valuable information where people can just join in on the conversation and really be involved in kind of just a regular dialogue.
1: Um, I've been doing a lot of the trails out here um, and trying to dive deep into uh, uh, the snow. Um, and I <laughs> so I've been snowshoeing for a while, and I've been um, I've been snowboarding in my past and. All of that is a lot of fun, and it's an incredible workout, especially uh, uh snowshoeing is i've done some cross country skiing as well, but this time i've set out on foot. I have a pair of snowshoes and it's fun, but I have a dog that is itching to get out so I've been doing a lot of on foot and it's um it's pretty incredible to get to walk through you know waist deep to almost like you know, it's, it's definitely to my waist, if not even higher at times, uh, getting to walk through snow like that. And if anybody has ever done it, it is an incredible workout. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. You don't go very far in the amount of time (laughs) that you put the effort in for, but um, it's been, it's been really exciting to get to play in snow this deep and you know, Cook City, Montana is definitely the place to get to play in deep snow. How much snow do you guys have up there right now? Um, I don't know. I know that we have, I think it's close to 14 feet uh, at this time is, is is the last recorded number I've heard. Uh, but I don't regularly look at that recording. Um, and we haven't had a lot of snow, but I think February notoriously here is... Uh, Known one for its snowfall. So we'll see what we end up getting after the month is over.
0: You know, I've been looking at a piece of gear lately um, that I'm very interested in. It's a, uh, it's a wood, wood burning stove. And um, I mean, technology has really, man, I, 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 I get so excited about some of the gear that is around today that wasn't around, you know, uh, even, you know, five years ago. Um, and this backpacking wood stove looks pretty cool. Um, it comes with uh, it comes with a tent with a chimney hole in it, uh, and uh, you can get the wood burning stove with it. And it's specifically for the, these these the, this type of winter camping that you're in. You know, where when you have you know temperatures that are going to be you know minus ten, minus fifteen, minus twenty degrees, um, and you've got You know feet of snow and it's really cool to watch uh some of these guys that have been going out there and using this this gear Um, winter camping i would say has absolutely evolved into kind of um you know if you it 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 used to be where well you know if it's you know minus 10 it might be a little bit too cold to go backpacking unless you're going to go into alpine country and then alpine country you've got a whole different type of gear But the gear that's coming out now is really kind of like for your average person to go out there and with a little experience with a wood-burning stove and setting up this type of uh, um, tent, which is very lightweight, um, it kind of gives you a chance to say, you know, hey, I I can go out there providing I've got the right gear. Um, That's kind of exciting to see that – That come into the marketplace where you're not spending thousands of dollars on Alpine gear. That's very cool. Welcome, Jason. Welcome, Stephanie. I'm going to invite you up to if you you guys want to speak and say hello, uh, introduce yourselves. Good to see you guys. Uh, Glad you guys uh, are here tonight. Um, Do you see, Ariane, do you see anybody uh, up there kind of winter camping at all in Cook City? Or is it just snowmobiles?
1: Uh, There's a few people that go into the backcountry. It's mainly they're going into the backcountry on snowmobiling, camping out, and then coming back the next day. uh, So they can go further into the elevation uh, where where it's really thick snow. Um, I think that they're essentially going to more of the warming huts. Uh, There's several places out here where uh, you can rent... um, or you could permit and uh, select a location um, and snag that. So I don't see the people coming in and actually doing legit winter camping with uh, alpine tents. But uh, I I'm excited to do that. I just need some time off of work <laughs> before before I could get out there and do that. Um, but uh, there there's there's endless land out here to do that you just we are in the midst of avalanche territory and avalanches are real danger out here uh, particularly in our location because we're in a fishbowl of mountains and uh we have very very steep mountain terrain uh surrounding us so uh avalanches is something to be uh really hyper aware of when hiking uh when snowshoeing uh when uh, going out there on the snowmobile and camping so there are some limitations that we have out here um without that knowledge of of how to properly prepare yourself for that
0: and i would imagine that the snowmobilers out are out there and the people that are even winter camping probably have uh personal locator beacons with them um, oh yeah in this country
1: oh yeah absolutely I think um, I, I think it's probably very ignorant of somebody to go out in this terrain without it um, particularly in this location with the surrounding mountainsides that we have now if you're going into other areas and you're going further away from uh, the danger areas, it's, you know, it's still good to, it's still good to have, but it's not as much of a necessity. So um, I'm looking forward to getting back into Yellowstone and doing some winter camping out in Lamar Valley because uh, the temperatures there are dramatically different than uh, where we're at. Um, And the, the temperatures fall Pretty consistently into, we're talking double digit negatives um, pretty consistently. So I'm excited to get to do that. So I'm looking forward to that within the next month. So well, I'll he, update so, on how that goes.
0: <laughs> so Lamar Valley is um, much lower in elevation. Are you saying it's warmer or are you saying it's windier or what's the weather difference between? Because I know you're at, um, see, Cook City's what, at 8,400 feet? Um, is it, is it that high or a little bit less, but I know Lamar Valley is like around 5,000 feet.
1: Yeah. We're at about 70, 77 almost, um, up here, but, uh, Lamar Valley, it's it, the temperatures are actually colder, even though you're lower in elevation. Uh, your temperatures are colder, but you do you're you're really exposed out there, and so uh, you don't have that tree line to block the wind, and so it's pretty much a just an enormous tunnel, um, and then that uh, air kind of settles in there. If you know, if you've ever experienced, sometimes it's like an inversion almost, um, where warmer temperatures, uh, you know, the warm air rises up into the mountains. Um, and the cold air settles in the valley and it's it's an inversion and it's very typical out here in the mountains uh, to have that happen during the wintertime.
0: Well, you know, that that's that's an excellent point, because I know um, even on, even in the southeast, uh, specifically on the Appalachian Trail, um, it can be a difference between where which side of the Appalachian Trail you camp in for the night on whether you camp on the east side or the west side. Um, And depending on how cold the air sinks. Now, where I'm at in Sedona, I'm actually in higher elevation. Um, And so the cold air in the valley, in the desert valley, it's so much colder. So we've got that, uh, because we're in high elevation, we've got that warmer winds that, and it's a little bit windier. So that cold air doesn't have a chance to sink and be kind of uh, stagnant um there's you know uh, cold air or dead air is cold air so and that's one of the reasons why your feet sometimes get cold in a sleeping bag if you have too much room in your sleeping bag dead air equals cold air so and i think that's a good example of um you know how cold air in the winter time you, you know people think well i'm the higher el- the higher the elevation i go the colder it's going to get that can be true until night um, and sometimes the valleys in mountain ranges are much more colder than actually sleeping up on the ridge if you can, if you have a ridge line to protect you from the wind. Um, and uh, I think Cook City and Lamar Valley are a perfect example of that. Uh, you know, where Lamar Valley and, and Lamar Valley is so vast and it's so big um, and you have no tree protection, you have no protection whatsoever. Um, down in there. So I would think uh, down, um, you know, if you're camping near Yellowstone river um, or Lamar river, it's going to be a pretty chilly night. I probably would rather be up um, in the mountains where there's a lot more snow anyway, to help the snow insulate your, uh, you know, your shelter so you can stay warmer.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But there, but there is an, an, an inviting aspect to, uh, testing your gear, uh, testing what you your knowledge uh, as long as you can do that within the parameters and you know uh, that uh, you have the knowledge and, and the, the proper gear to be able to to maintain your safety overnight. Um, but also you know I- I- anywhere out here and being so remote with all the dangers that you, you have and it's not just here it's in in any type of alpine situation um not that this is necessarily alpine but it has elements of that uh that are that are similar but uh you know just really making sure that that uh you are safe and you have the ability the knowledge and the backup uh technology to uh to kind of combat any situation that may arise. Yeah,
0: I, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, uh, some of the coldest nights I've been going out or I've gone out, uh, in the past have been, you know, below zero. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it is kind of like, uh, a fine tuned science when you get to that really cold weather, extreme, uh, camping and, you know, not only knowing how your gear works, but different gear works differently in 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 cold weather. So, uh, and especially at a higher elevation where you're at, you know, things like the pocket rocket, things like an alcohol stove, um, you know, they may not work up there. Um, and so you got you start looking at different gear, uh, you know, different, um, you know, MSR. You look at the inline fuel. Um, uh, stove that you have to pump the fuel in there and, you know, prime it. And, uh, that, that, that piece of gear has been around, oh my God, forever, uh, for a long time. I mean, p- more than 20 years, but that is the piece of go-to gear that you'd probably use for, um, cold weather camping up in higher elevation when the temperatures are getting down to like minus 10, minus 15 degrees. Uh, um, in fact, that would be the only piece of gear I would use to cook because you're probably going to be melting snow for water at that point in time. I'm not really sure you're getting water out of the Lamar River right now. It's probably frozen, Um, which is another thing about winter camping. You know, it's all fun. You know, it's it's always fun to watch these videos, uh, you know, people winter camping and stuff like that in the snow. And right now there's, you know, a bunch of YouTube videos of people, you know, you know, you know, uh, camping in the freezing and, you know, it's great clickbait, but, you know, they, they always tend to pass up about, you know, how to get water from a frozen Creek or, or frozen Lake, um, how to keep your water from freezing at night when it's minus 10 degrees. Cause I can guarantee you it's going to freeze. Um, and, uh, you know, and then how to, how to melt snow. You know, I, a lot of people, um, you know, don't really understand how to, you know, melt snow properly without burning the snow and out without burning your water. Um, if 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 that if that, if that's even successful, um, you know, you and I have had to burn or melt snow before for drinking water, and there is a there is a way to do it. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a completely different uh, beast to camp um, and to go backpacking. You know in in that much snow and when it's that cold outside i happen to really like it um i i it's i enjoy it it's it's deadly quiet it's uh beautiful and there's nothing like waking up in the morning and just seeing a, a fresh coat of snow you know all around you um and uh and then getting some good exercise for that day it really is very cool
1: i'm not sure that um i'm gonna remember how to to walk normally without snow on on like actual earth after being here all winter it's gonna it's gonna be an adjustment so uh yeah yeah, there's that that much snow what,
0: what will that be like for you to actually walk on pavement again
1: I would love that. Uh, I don't know. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying my time out here, absolutely without doubt. But um, I haven't. I haven't hit pavement in a long time, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I may fumble a little bit, stumble. You know, who knows? Well,
0: we've got Rob, Kevin, Jason, and Stephanie. Um, I've invited all of you guys to speak. I hope you guys are getting all those notifications. To come up to speak or if you have a notification to request to speak I'm not really sure what your end looks like Um, but go ahead if you guys want to come up and and just join in on the conversation you're more than welcome to we're kind of talking a little bit about winter camping and um, camping in higher elevation what cold air does in higher lower elevation and uh, the beauty of winter camping Um, I absolutely love winter camping. It's 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 always been my favorite. And and I think it's I think it's my favorite because it's a little bit more challenging. And so, you know, like you have you have a lot of you have a lot more camping chores. <laughs> you, you have a lot more camping chores to do um, when you're trying to set up your your tent or your tarp or or your shelter system um, and sometimes you sometimes you're digging your shelter system if you're making uh, like a snow cave or a snow barrier to block the wind from your uh, tent. Um, and so you have a lot more chores to do than you do in in summer in summer camp. And by the time you go to bed, you usually be tired. So, Ariane, what is um, what's been the coldest you've experienced so far up in? Uh, Cook City Montana. Uh
1: negative 38 I think is what I clocked um but that was with wind So I'm if 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 you do, if you take wind chill out of it which can always feel colder, I think I think the coldest just cold dead air I think we were at negative 17 at one point but uh it was brief like a day, uh, overnight. Um, but pretty consistently, uh, we've had a couple of weeks where we've been in the negatives, um, as a high. Um, it's cold, but quite honestly, I don't think so. There's a dramatic difference between dry air out here in the West versus, dr- you know, moist air out on the East coast. And you can feel You can feel the difference. And so being from being in Atlanta and having lived in uh, on the East coast for a little while, you, when you see a number, it feels like the number, but out here, because the air is so dry, you see a number and it doesn't feel that cold. So I don't, I don't feel a difference between, you know, let's say seven degrees and you know, into the negative, into the teens. Um, it just, I mean, it's cold. Yes, it's absolutely cold, but, but, but there really doesn't appear to be much of a difference with the dry air. And that's a blessing. I I don't know that I ever want to move back to the East coast. And I'm sorry if any of you guys are from the East coast or that you know on the east side of of the united states here but um i i prefer the weather in the west i just do it's just so much more comfortable well out out
0: there you don't have you know the, the one thing that you have such low humidity out there the one thing that you don't get is you don't get the crystallized air um in you know where you're at um unless you have you know um unless you have high humidity that's the other I I will say that is um, a very beautiful thing in the southeast Um, when uh, you know the very few times that you know I've been lucky enough to be on inflation when it is um, you know when that air crystallized at night uh, it's, it's, it's very strange to see everything white and you know, like all the leaves and the branches and everything on surfaces all has all crystallized, and you can see these air particles, and you can see, um, you can see the air has frosted, and so you, it's it, everything's like crystallized. Um, so that that that's one of the cool things about the southeast that you probably won't get in um you know montana and you certainly won't get that in arizona because it never rains in arizona anymore so um you certainly won't get that although i will say uh, petrucci that sedona is supposed to get an inch of snow tomorrow night
1: okay good luck with that <laughs> usually usually uh when they report that it never happens um you know what we do we do get some crystallization here especially in the valley. Um we do see a little bit of it but not to the level that you do get in the in the uh, uh to more towards the east with the humidity. It's um not as much but there have been times where we've seen it and it's it's absolutely breathtaking to see. I just I love that. But I wouldn't well, you get. I, still, I don't think I wouldn't trade the warmth. I, w- I should say I wouldn't trade the lack of humidity just to, to see that every day.
0: Well, you don't get that up in Cook City, but you do get that in Yellowstone because you have the geysers. So the geysers, you know, I mean, you that it's you get that crystallization of the air all over the place. Um. In. Uh, you know, out by um, you know, when, once you get into the geyser area by you know Mammoth, you're going to get that. Um, you'll get that in Hayden Valley. You'll get that in. Oh, um, uh, uh, forgot what that little section um, out by Yellowstone River, where they have the mud volcano out there. Um, you'll that, and that, that's probably where all the bison are hanging out right now. By the way, um, you'll get all that crystallization there because you got. You know, um, massive amounts of heat, like a steam room coming out from the from the earth. So, um, you know, and the 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 other the thing as, as specific about Yellowstone is that if there's a time to really see the beauty of Yellowstone, I I mean, what Ariane, tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I would pick winter to see uh, Yellowstone National Park.
1: I think that. I think it really depends on what, what you're seeking from that experience because um, winter is a time to do it without the masses. You see, you see fewer people, but it's also during the winter, you also have to either be self-sufficient in, in getting to a point where you can stay overnight. Uh, So you still have to get access in. Um, They do provide a few permits uh, on a lottery basis to be able to go in on a snowmobile and be self-sufficient. But for the most part, you're experiencing the majority of Yellowstone. Like The the majority of Yellowstone you're experiencing by having a guided tour. Uh, Whether that's being carted in to be able to do your own snowshoeing once you're, uh, over kind of by Old Faithful area, or if you're on a tour. So you're still really with people, regardless of how you do it. It's, I have not gone into the interior of Yellowstone yet this winter. I've been on the outskirts of it. I've been to Mammoth. I've been hiking around that area around Mammoth, but I haven't gone into the interior and um, it's, I, I see photos, I see images, I've experienced some of it for myself on the northern end. And it's absolutely breathtaking in the winter. And it's a very unique experience. Um, but I think to really see the full gamut of what Yellowstone can provide, I think you're probably better off in fall. I think fall hands down beats every season that I've experienced so far. And I think that's because it's still a little busy but you can get away from the crowds. You can experience Yellowstone in a very unique way and you still have all the activity of the wildlife and the wildlife is preparing for winter. They're extremely active whether it's um you know for hibernation and they're preparing for that or uh, they're mating, and I just I I think so far fall has been my favorite season in Yellowstone.
0: Yeah, I would say fall was pretty beautiful uh, when I was up there, especially you know the fall colors. They they it comes and goes pretty quick. Um, I'm kind of surprised at how quick fall comes in. Um, it kind of you know one day you wake up and it's like hello, it's fall, and uh, it last seems like it lasted for about two weeks um and that was it. It, it it comes in really really quick um although i just can't imagine um not being able to explore yellowstone in in winter i just it it just looks so majestically beautiful um and uh i think late fall too late fall maybe early winter would be the best time possibly cuz you got you see so much more wildlife you get to experience mo so much more wildlife. And as you've experienced in Cook City, the wildlife tends to come into Cook City and say hello.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lull here in Cook City. There's a uh, there's a lull between the two major seasons. So summer comes to a close at uh, the very beginning of October, at the very end of September. So it's kind of like there's a week in there that's kind of iffy. And then it quiets for about a, a solid month. It quiets, and I have never seen more wildlife activity within. The, the wildlife coexisted in a very unique manner with uh, humans, and it was it was concerning. It was. A little intimidating <laughs> having to get to experience that. Um, at one point, we had seven bears, uh, two grizzlies, and the rest were black bears, uh, in town coexisting with us. And it was, it was everybody in town was they were changing their routines, they had to completely adjust their entire life and all of their rhythms that they had created uh to kind of compensate for all the bears coming into town and um there were there were there were a lot of new people in town that just didn't really understand how to combat that and so that's why they were there and it was just a really interesting month uh to be able to experience that and yeah, it's, it's unique. It's, it's such a unique experience here, but um, most of the wildlife is gone now uh, because of the snowmobilers have settled in and it's a little noisy in town. And so most of the wildlife is on the outskirts. But if you go out hiking and you go and experience it, um, I've seen moose. I've seen uh, fox. I've seen bison, and they are just within a very, very short distance of my front door. So
0: that brings that brings up a good point, and I, I think it's always. Um, I mean, this is like a whole other discussion, but it. I I find it really interesting when I hear the word coexistence with bear um, and and human. So. I'll just ask you, um, you with the amount of you, Cook City is a very small populated town. Um, maybe there's seventy people, but I don't think there's seventy people there full time in the winter time. I think there's seventy people that have residences there, but I'm not really sure 70, 70 people are living full time in Cook City in winter. So having so having said that, how many how many bear attacks were there this year? with that many grizzly and black bear literally roaming in the street of Cook City?
1: Attacks direct on human, none, Uh, none at all. But um, there were several instances in early winter, late fall, in which um, bears had tried to get inside of homes. and there were at least four reported cases uh, where bears were sniffing and pushing on the front door of homes, but other than that, n- no direct attacks.
0: Well, we know one of the homes because um, he could barbecue, he could BBQ and dump the grease out in his, by his front door. So that one doesn't count. I um, mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna dump BBQ uh, leftovers and grease on your front door in grizzly bear country. In grizzly bear country then you're you're probably gonna get a knock on the door and it's not gonna be from your neighbor, so we know about one for sure um but i i it's interesting though because that that is that is in the fear of so many people when they go out into the wilderness is well what if I see a bear or what if I have a bear encounter um well in in this case uh you had uh, a grizzly bear and you had black bear kind of almost walk almost kind of down the street in the middle. Um, you saw the one black bear coming uh, down from when you came back from a gas station, walking back to your place. Um, but it, it just goes to show that bear bears aren't really interested in humans. They're just interested in the food. And if you, you know, if you, you know, if you protect your food and if you are due diligent um. You know, no matter where you are—backpacking or even in a residential neighborhood um, or in bear country—if you're due diligent with protecting your food, obviously, and most likely you're not going to have a bear encounter. Would you agree?
1: I would. I would agree. Uh, For the most part, I would agree. There are unique circumstances, uh, but they are very, very few and far between. I think to educate yourself on how to react in those unique circumstances is, is imperative when you're in lands where you are essentially quote unquote, part of the food chain, um, more, more so in grizzly country than, you know, black bear country. Um, I, I do think it's, it's extremely wise to educate yourself on that because, uh, it, 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 there, there is a potential always, but there's a potential for almost anything. Um, but generally speaking, no, it's, it, it really boils down to, um, but I would say human error in not uh, protecting yourself. And maybe I'm saying this incorrectly, but uh, human error in not doing all the proper procedures to protect yourself when you're in their territory, essentially. Um, so, you know the reason we had a lot of issues is because uh you know a lot of the bear activity from Yellowstone National Park the bears tend to migrate out of the park during the winter for the most part. a lot of the bears within Lamar Valley because it becomes a little warmer up here in Cook City than it does in Lamar Valley, and so they have a longer period of time uh, to, you know, get their food sources in prior to hibernation. Um, and so there's a migration out of the park into this area. And so because we are a town and we are populated, uh, with ignorance, uh, and not all of it is, but, uh, as more and more people, Uh, begin to migrate towards cook city uh, for residency and there's a lot of new people in town including myself for the winter season there's also a lot of ignorance that comes from that just from being unaware and it's and it's not a negative it's just a, a learning curve and i have even had uh you know to deal with some of that learning curve as well and so the bear are becoming a little bit more interactive with the humans but yeah to answer your question, I, you know, it's really not much of a threat if you're following all the proper procedures and you're protecting the bears from getting into the the food source from the first point. I mean, that's really where, um, that's, that's really the crux of all of this is not providing a food source for the bear they're not going to linger around. They're going to find it elsewhere because it is a requirement for them prior to hibernation. And so if there's nothing available to them, they will move on.
0: Well, statistically speaking, Yellowstone National Park and uh, that national forest, uh, uh, Gallatin National Forest, um, statistically speaking, it's the moose encounters that cause more injury to hikers backpackers and and uh you know tourists uh a moose um moose are cranky as we, as i talked about in the last edition of trail news um moose tend to be a lot more um you know they they look so docile when you see them and because they're just not moving but they can move very quickly when they want to i mean they can move very quickly and i think people find you know, looking at a, a gigantic moose as kind of thrilling, but moose are a lot more temperamental um, towards humans than even bears are. Bears really don't really care too much about you, where moose really kind of want you to kind of uh, leave them alone, and they're gonna they'll 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 be quite uh, uh, vocal about uh, you just standing there watching them, and so. Uh, um, you know, Yellowstone reports that there's a lot more moose injuries, a lot more moose encounters that go wrong in Yellowstone National Park. And by the way, speaking of Yellowstone National Park, uh, you'll be interested to know um, I'm going to upload this uh, Feb- uh, the first week of February trail news on our YouTube channel. Yellowstone has completely changed their permit system. So um, that'll be kind of interesting to share with everybody. Uh, once I um, put that uh, story together, um, and I'm gonna—I think I'm gonna have that thing uploaded on Friday, up on our YouTube channel. But yeah, Yellowstone just announced that backpacking permits and reservation systems are are completely changing for 2022 in Yellowstone National Park. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes and how that affects everything this year. Um, I know they're going away from first come first serve. We heard that last year when we were there, um, we heard that right from the horse's mouth and from one of the camp hosts that were there. Um, but I didn't know they were changing the backpacking permits. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that works also. (laughs) I, I just want to make sure you haven't moved up there permanently. Have you? Uh,
1: (laughs) to be determined. I really love it up here. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, there's uh you know i i see moose i see fresh moose tracks in the fallen snow i have yet to see i i've had i've seen a couple here in town but i have yet to accidentally run into one which is a good thing um but uh i every time i take cal out for like an early morning walk or a late evening walk after work and we go and explore new areas. Uh, it never fails. I see fresh tracks or fresh moose poop. So they're definitely lingering in town after we all go to sleep. So, um, I don't know. It's very enticing up here. Okay. You guys, you guys, thank you so much. I'm going to end the room.
0: You guys, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If enjoy the podcast, would like to show some love, go to trust the trail podcast, click on our merch link. We have partnered with spring.com. We have all kinds of merch on there. Trusted Trail Coffee cups, T-shirts, hoodies, Embrace the Suck, uh, Coffee cups, all all your favorite things. Shout-outs to our lovely and amazing Facebook members. We really love you guys and our patrons. We couldn't do the show without you, um, who help support the podcast, really. Richard Curry, Angela Salas, Kim Kaverman, Brother Bear, Joe Lang, EJ Newell. Helene Prophet, Bob Esser, Danny Bowen, Jack Masters, Lisa Pruitt, Bob Wolf, Suzanne Johnson, Jessica Wolfen, Jordan Landcrack, Suzanne Adams, Kevin Frost, Gina Purcell, and Dean Dalsett. Patreon is a secure platform that lets you support your favorite podcasts. All you need to do is create an account, go to Trust the Trail Podcast for as low as $2 a month, get special benefits and exclusive content. We now are back to weekly, so you're going to get a weekly show on our Patreon page. Our podcasts are available on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the big ones. We're on Facebook. If you go to our Facebook page on um, Trust the Trail Facebook page, all of our podcasts are right there. If we're not on the one you listen to, let us know. We'll make sure that we are. You can also follow us on Instagram, Trust the Trail. We've got a lot of cool, uh, we always post some pretty cool stuff on there. Remember, the trail does give you everything you need, even if it's minus 38 degrees. I know it's giving Ariane everything that she needs. It builds self-confidence and builds so much self-esteem. So get out there and trust the trail. We'll see you guys later. Bye.